podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network, your home for all the best news in the Big 12. This is the voice of Jeremy Gillen, and speaking of the best news in the Big 12, we have in studio, or rather, I am on site with Texas Tech Volleyball Head Coach Tony Graystone. Coach, it's an honor to have you with us today. Um, how are you doing? 2022 is here. Have you made resolutions? Have you broken resolutions? Where are you at? What's going um, on? Same as every year, you know, trying to, you know, see season gets the best of me every year with fitness diet the whole thing I put all my time into the team and I don't take care of myself the way I should so yeah we're trying to reset that for sure well when you get them into the strength and conditioning you, you should just insert yourself in every few days you know just to keep it keep it light keep it fun the players have more than enough material on me if they saw me in the weight room with them I'd never <laughs> hear the end of it so we'll have to do it on my own I love that yeah. uh, coach I'd be remiss if we don't start this off um, Everybody who's an avid listener of the show knows that I'll be sure one of our hosts, the host with the most, um, says a lot of things on this podcast, says a lot of things. we got a lot of listeners. Um, earlier in this season, he made a point to say that he respects the team, but there was no way they were going to do this, you know, no way they were going to do X. Well, they came out and did X. They did X, Y, and Z for all, all intents and purposes. And so Albert has made it clear that if I, I came in here to do the interview, we have to show you an apology video he made. Uh, he, he put on his best dress. He put on a, he put on a button up. He was ready to show so I'm gonna I'm gonna if, if it's okay with you I'm gonna let you see this uh, a message from Albie um, to Tony Greystone and to the women's volleyball team hello coach Greystone it is I I'll be sure yes I'm the one that made the slanders comments about the Texas Tech volleyball team I'm the one that said good job good effort early in the season before y'all went on your incredible run and I just want to say congrats on the success that you and the team have had this season and I just wanted to let you know I wasn't running from the fade I, I am definitely here. I wish I could be in Lubbock to interview you right now, but I know Jeremy's doing a fantastic job in the, in the interview as, as he goes on. But I just want to say congrats. Congrats on an incredible season. I know this is the first of many to come going to the NCAA tournament and the, the, the success that you, the coaching staff, and all the women and part of the Texas Tech Red Raider volleyball program has had is going to continue on for years to come. So once again, congrats on the success, and I hope to hear from you more. All right, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it was acceptable for you? Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I, yeah, this is uh, easy for me. Uh, the players will love to hear that as well, and it'll be it'll be good. We still have some things in mind for him to rub it in a little bit. but So he's uh, not out of the doghouse. No, not completely, <laughs> but that's a great first step for sure. There we go. The bigger man. Okay, well, uh, let's, get, let's get to what it's all about. Texas Tech Volleyball. Uh, Coach, you came onto the scene about this time in 2016. Uh, this program specifically struggled for nearly a decade before your arrival in the 806. Uh, what would you attribute to this growth, this success that you've had so far in your tenure? A lot of things. There's been change in culture like you would expect from any coaching change you know you've got a different way of doing things different things to emphasize uh, so that was a big piece we wanted to get the locker room fixed and find players that we could build around and uh, you know players that were going to be committed to the taking that next step you know when we first got here we felt like we had a team that was in it for the big 12 experience not necessarily 
the responsibilities that went along with it. So winning wasn't emphasized the way it should have been. Uh, history of success wasn't there. You know, all the things that attributed to being where we were. So we knew it was a big job. Uh, so we wanted to start with that and then talent acquisition, right? We had to get better players. And so there was this, there was this two things we were working on, the culture piece and then the talent piece. And, and that carried us a long way. Um, but when we got to the last couple of years, you know, we've looked at our team and said, okay, we've got enough talent. Let's, let's emphasize winning a lot more. Let's put, the culture is great. We're never going to stop paying attention or investing in it, but we got to put more emphasis on the results. And so that's where we, we put our time the last year or so. Yeah. So talking about recruits and talking about results, uh, what is it that you look for in athletes when you're thinking about who can help improve this program? Who's going to buy in? What are the kind of athletic characteristics you're looking for? Yeah. I mean, on the core, there are certain things that you got to check certain boxes, right? This is a conference that's built on size and physicality. And so, you know, you can't just put an undersized kid in there with a lot of heart and say, Hey, go do it. You know, that just won't work. You know, you've got to be able to hold your own and, and be able to be physical and fast and have a big arm and, and score points and all these things. So, uh, you know, we're also talking about a conference that year in and year out is top three in the country. Uh, as far as RPI goes this year, we were number one in the country. So just there's no dogs in there. You know, every every match is winnable or losable. And so you've got to have players that can hold their own and can play at the level that the rest of the conference is. So that skill piece is that talent piece. That's, that's the initial thing. Yeah, sounds like it. So in that vein, I mean, we're talking about just it's it, it's got the ruminations of kind of that West Texas tough that's really starting to build up around mm -hmm. Texas Tech. Um, you know, Coach McGuire's talking about it. Coach Addison's talking about it. It's just kind of like it's brewing around. And I think that's a really good identity, a really good brand for Texas Tech uh, for a number of reasons. And so your head coaching experience is, is laden in West Texas. You were at West Texas A&M from 99 to 2008 as a head coach. You were there for a couple years earlier as an assistant head coach or assistant coach. You took a small jaunt down to Texas A&M Corpus Christi until ultimately you come you, you come back. You know, what is it about this region? What about tech even, you know, draws you in? Because you're a Michigan guy. Yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. in the north. So something like Lubbock, something like West Texas just doesn't feel like that, that, that instant connection. Yeah. You know, I'm, WT was my first coaching job. I was a high school coach in Louisville. I was finishing up grad school, getting into the game. Uh, I ran track in college, so I knew the game. I played a little bit, but not at the level that most people do. And uh, got in with some good people, was learning the game, playing every chance I could. And then when I got to grad school, really got into the coaching piece and uh, messed around with some high school and club stuff and wanted to get into college. And so... Uh, WT was my first job, and we won a national championship my first year. We had a great run. A year later, I got promoted to head coach. And so I got a good feel right away what West Texas was all about. And there's a lot of things that I identified with, and it just this region of the country really appealed to me and just fit my lifestyle and just my value system, the whole thing. Um, got married, started a family, and then decided D1 is where I needed to be. And so Corpus was where I had to go you know I had to start at a pretty low level and rebuild a program and did that and uh, and I really think that was the step that I needed to take to get here to tech but you know tech has always been on my mind ever since I got to WT and my wife is from this area she's got a large family they're all from Lubbock area they all still live here so the opportunity to come back to be around her family was huge and so it was just, I don't know, it just seemed like a natural thing. I felt like I learned how 
to identify with what te West Texas was all about and what it would take to draw players into this region, what the what they would be happy with. You know, it's just, there's just a certain breed you got to get to really be successful here. And so I felt like I knew what that was all about, and uh, it's been a good fit. So I'm I'm more than happy here. It's been it's been really good. Yes, I mean you you get a national championship out here. You you get a wife who who is from out here. It seems like you never had a chance. You never yeah. had a chance any other way. That's right. Um, so you said you know how to we'll kind of emphasize that you were talking about marketing, basically how to get people out here. You know what's one thing that when you're going in to talk to prospective um, prospective athletes, what's one thing you like to that feels right when you're talking about like Texas Tech specifically. Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny because you have to see it to know what it's all about. The biggest thing that we have to overcome in recruiting is perception. Um, and everybody who's never been to Lubbock or West Texas or seen our campus, they think they know everything about us, and they just don't. And so that perception piece is really big. And so whether that's talking about the town, the facilities, the people, the the culture, the weather, whatever it is that you feel like they're interested or looking for, you know, you, you find that common ground and, and you find that connection, and then you get them out here and then they see it and they're like, I had no idea. And you're like, yeah, you had no idea. And and then, you know, there's this this draw there. And so by and large, every every time we've had somebody come out or families come out and visit, it's always been, wow, I didn't know. And, uh, and now they're in. And so, you know, we don't make any, any claims to be in the city. We know where we're at. We know regionally where we're at. We know how far away we are from where we are. Uh, and we know this, this place is not for everyone. Um, but the people who are here, this is where they want to be. They love it here. And, and now we don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, and the other thing we look at is volleyball, we recruit about three or four players a year. And I feel pretty darn sure that we can find three or four players here that will be really happy at Texas Tech. So it's been it's been good. That's really sweet to hear. Um, so just I, I'd, I would be remiss not to back up for a second and look at your time uh, at WT. Um, I mean, you were a part of that 97 national championship uh, team, eight Lone Star Conference championships, five NCAA D2 regional appearances. You are their winningest coach. Um, that's a big deal. Do you have uh, favorite memories from your time there? Do you you have like wisdom that you gain that you hold on to like tell us about your time there that really kind of shaped you as a head coach yeah I mean I got hired by Debbie Hendricks she was the head coach um, and we hit it big we got a transfer uh, Sarah Butler she came she was at Texas she was an Amarillo girl was a big 12 player the uh, freshman of the year their coach left to coach the Olympic team McKaylee she wanted to come home and so she came in as I was coming in she ended up being a two-time national player of the year unstoppable kid and um, and so that team was set up to win, and I caught I caught it right. You know, I came in when that. You know, I'm not saying I didn't contribute anything, but I certainly wasn't involved in building that team or anything like that. And so I learned a lot from Debbie about how to teach the game and and uh, instructional things and just coaching, teaching philosophies. And then uh, when she left, she fought really hard for me to get in, and so I really appreciate that. Um, but that was a perfect starting spot for me. You know, the, the community was so into the team and they embraced me and um, they, they made it a really soft landing for me to get started because I was still learning about, you know, building a team and recruiting and, and how to put it all together. Um, the only thing I really felt like I knew how to do was win. And, and we had a team that that's all they wanted to do was tell me how to win. And so 
I don't know, I felt like I was growing every year while we were still having a lot of success. And so it was just a perfect match. Mm, that seems like the perfect equation. Yeah. You want, you knew how to win. They wanted to win. How could it get any better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, coach, I don't know, you know, how they do it up there in Michigan, but here in West Texas, we love to grill. Um, rain or shine, if it's cold, it's a, if it's hot, we'll find an excuse to grill. And no tailgate or no home grilling is complete without gridiron metalworks. This is high quality collegiate branded grill gates and griddles for every grill size with every Big 12 team available. Uh, if they don't have it listed online, give them a message. They'll they'll custom make you a grill. It's nuts. Um, and plus, gridiron offers a variety of home decor items, flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers, all in the actual school colors, not just, oh, you know, it's close. It's scarlet, but actually it's crimson like other manufacturers do. Like they get it spot on, they get it right. And that, that makes a difference for, all, uh, for the reds that are all out there. And uh, right now, use our promo code TAKES12 to get 15% off your first purchase. That's uh, visit gridiron.com. Use promo code TAKES12. That's TAKES12, and that'll be 15% off your order. And it's always free shipping. So Gridiron is Metalworks for the college super fan. All right. Back to back to back to what matters here. After a strong season last year, and it was strong by a lot of metrics, you got key names returning this season. One, tell me about how you feel in the wake of this past season, and what are you expecting from your squad in the upcoming season? You know, what are the key marks of success that you and your staff are laying out for the program going forward? Yeah, you know, the getting to the tournament was always the thing, and we always felt like if we were going to do that, we were going to have to finish you know, top half of the Big 12, RPI was really important, all these things. And and now that we've done that, we still have other goals in mind, right? We still think of ourselves as potentially a top three team in the conference and, you know, we want to be ranked and, you know, there's, you know, get into the tournament, now let's advance. And so there's still some big things that are still on our mind. And since we have so many returners coming back, like you're saying, this is where we feel like our window is wide open. So, you know, we're going to get together on Wednesday, first team meeting, kind of map out some things for the spring. But we're pretty goal oriented right now. And, uh, you know, that's that's where we're trying to get to, you know, just take that next step. Would you say that this is the most experienced team that you've had at Texas Tech so far? Yeah, no question. Yeah. No question great mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah you know we have two super seniors well three actually if you count kennedy and then you know right below them you know we've got these four-year players that really have two years of eligibility we're going to end up keeping this core team together for quite a while All right so who's kind of your captains that are standing out to you right now going into the next season yeah i think the leadership right now the biggest voices come from kenna sauer carrington jones um we expect reese rhodes as she comes into the setting position to have a bigger voice uh caitlin dugan you know there's a lot of these upperclassmen that have been here a while they're all invested and so you know somebody will eventually separate and become the go-to kid but for right now i feel like we've got a team that's a lot of a lot of peer accountability they're all going to push each other oh that's wonderful and looking forward to the big 12 next year i mean there's still a lot of strong teams like you said this is a conference that just continually puts itself in the prestigious category when it comes to just athletic success and volleyball what is what are your your, your guys's hopes kind of for you know you finish top half is it just like let's finish top half and get to the tournament or are you going to be pressing on your team like hey let's try to go for a three spot um, even a two spot you know if we can to really set ourselves apart and really set this make this season special yeah you know we we feel like the ceiling of our team is to be in the top third of the conference uh, right now, the conference is so deep and so competitive, it, it's really hard to separate. Um, I think teams three through seven last year were separated by one game or something. It, it's really tight. 
And so, you know, what can we do? Those little matches, you know, five setters become really important. And that's where we feel like we let some things get away that were right there for us. And early in the season, we were not good with the five setters. And so to recover the way we did was a big deal. But, you know, we think with the experience we have coming back, that's where we feel like we're going to see a big change next year is those tighter matches. And so, you know, you get in the top three in the Big 12, you get in the top half, then you're definitely going to be a tournament team. And then it's about where do you fall in the bracket. Right. And so you're kind of expecting, like, if I'm hearing you right, that the, the early season issues that you had, you kind of worked out the kinks as a lot of teams do throughout the end of the season. But because you have so many people coming back, you're hoping to carry that momentum and start off strong next year to really establish yourselves early and especially early in conference, which I think where it matters a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, no question. The, you know, this you're always going to be judged by how you do in a power conference, right? And mm-hmm. so the non-conference is really geared towards helping RPI, but also just getting lineups right and, and chemistry good. And then when you get into Big 12, you don't feel like you're still learning about your team. You already know who you are. Right. That's that's the that's the time you want to step on step on the gas is when you get in the conference play, especially in this conference. For sure. Um, so something that's growing in collegiate athletics is the prominence of the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, do you see the transfer portal having a major impact on volleyball in kind of the same ways that it's having in football and basketball, maybe even in your program specifically? Because I know that you know, some coaches just pedagogically take it in different directions. You know, you have um, some coaches in football think that the transfer portal is a godsend, and some coaches think that there's just no place for it. And, you know, kind of where do you land and where do you see it affecting, you know, volleyball as a whole? Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I see it as a positive. You look at our team right now, Kenna Sauer, Reagan Cooper, uh, Kennedy Adams, Alex Torres. We have another one coming in, Jack St. Sin. She'll be here this spring. Um, but going past the last couple of years, Emily Hill, Missy Owens, Kate Klepetka, Tatum Rome, we have we have hit the, the portal hard. And and that's when you're trying to rebuild, this is the fastest way to do it. When you're at a certain level and you graduate kids out, this is the easiest way to maintain what you've got. And I think when you're dealing with a conference like ours, if you're not in into the portal, you're going to get left behind immediately, mm. um, because there's just there's always going to be programs that can maintain. And so you look at a program like Kansas, graduated a couple of really big kids. A kid left to go somewhere else. They had a, a kid go to Wisconsin. They immediately filled that spot with another kid from another Power Five, and they ain't going anywhere. And so you know this is how you do it. And uh, and so if you can't embrace it, you're you're toast as far as I'm concerned. You know, but. You know, you still want to have incoming talent that you can build and have around for three, four years, but you also know that there's some quick opportunities to reload if, if need be. And that was going to be, I mean, that's a good segue into kind of questioning about how do you think that, you know, it, obviously it's really good to adapt to the game and find, I mean, a number of programs. I know Texas Tech fans can relate quickly with the way that our basketball program especially has been and football program of the past couple of years has benefited greatly on the transfer portal um, like you said kind of filling those gaps that you need because you can't fill those gaps with you know recruits every single year you can only get so many at a time but do you think that there's kind of a uh, a danger is kind of a dramatic word but why not um, but do you feel like there's a danger when you are pulling a lot of people from the transfer portal when it comes to your strength Recruiting, Like when you think, okay, yeah. you want to play, you may be talented enough to play if you came in and there wasn't anybody here. Does that kind of, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you want 
when you bring somebody in from the portal, you better have a purpose in mind for them. Um, you don't put them in a deep position group and say, hey, go fight it out. Generally, when a kid wants to transfer, it's because they got burned in some way, opportunities weren't there, coaching change, whatever it is. Um, but they want to be immediately on the court. That's that's the nature of it. So you can't just blindly just pick up kids and just hope for the best. You know, you got to have a reason to get them. Um, the other part about the portal, the danger here is that the more transfers you bring in, they've already been burned somewhere else generally they have a little baggage that they come in with and you got to get them to be willing to start over and let their guard down and be vulnerable a little bit and get to let everybody get to know them and not every player wants to do that right away it takes a little time and so you got to have some patience and so the more that you do that with the the danger there may be in the locker room okay what is our chemistry what are we doing you know are we getting to know each other the way we need to or are we just in it for ourselves and so for us that as we look at transfers that's a big piece is okay what was your last experience how much of that can we let go where where are we willing to start over and get invested in a brand new team and do it the right way so that the culture doesn't suffer and so we've been really happy with how our transfers have been uh, able to do that but that is on our mind it's not just about talent it's you still have to have that that good presence in the locker room and keep it going right and talking about I mean we were talking about earlier about how getting people to buy into Lubbock um, which sometimes is just as easy as having them come here uh, what is it I mean have you had a lot of uh, kind of stepping back have you seen a lot of really cool you've got a bunch of transfers coming in from other places in the country who are like setting when they get recruited or setting their minds on these places setting their minds on these coaches setting their minds on these programs and then they get burnt like you said um coming to lubbock uh which has maybe never been on their radar um you know have you seen a lot of just really cool what's that transition looked like yeah. for you I, you know mostly it's they've gone through it once before it didn't work out but the things that you think are important when you're being recruited as a 16 year old are way different than when you're a transfer and you've already been through it for a year or two and you kind of know what it really is all about and so the flashy stuff the the location the what are you doing on your downtime those things are still important but they're not as important you know it's not about the gear that you're getting it's you know the training this the connection with the coaches those kind of things so they come in with a whole lot better perspective and um, and they can see us for what we really are and they make that connection with the coaching staff and the team and they're all in and so it's really nice that way there's a different maturity that you get with a transfer than an incoming freshman that's you know it's interesting as i think about lubbock as a whole um, like you said you know the flashiness is not really there off the get-go especially you know in the past couple of years like we, we there's been a lot of investment around here and a lot of infrastructure being built um, to kind of help add to like lubbock's um, attractiveness but we're still you know out in the middle of the we're out in the middle of nowhere uh, we're the hub city five hours from anything um, I think that, that I think that people listening to this a lot of transfers we've had across other programs have had a lot of success and I think something I just want to illuminate as you're, as you're saying these things is that um, like Lubbock's a great place to be built as an athlete because there's a lot of really good coaches here um, who are focused on the players. And as uh, as all the athletes listening to this, because we have a lot of friends of the pod, um, some transfers just really want to say um, thankful for their maturity and thankful for the desire to come to Lubbock and to be built up as athletes. Um, because I think that, like you said, there's a step that Lubbock is missing right now in terms of flashiness from the get-go, but we are seeing a lot of kind of higher profile transfers come to Lubbock because they're recognizing there's a lot of professional development 
going to be had. And uh, it's it, it kind of sucks that there's that that gap because you know you want younger athletes to come in and realize like their potential at a good program. Um, but there's a lot of hard things, especially the NIL becoming a really big deal. Um, you know, a lot of cities that are higher profile and got a lot more things going on or they're close to the beach or whatever, uh, that Lubbock kind of falls back in those regards. But just illuminating that we've seen a lot of, you know, transfers come to Texas Tech um, and become successful athletes. A lot of, especially in football, I mean, you know, Zach McPherson coming out from Penn State and, um, you know, being able to go early in the NFL draft, whereas he was getting buried on a depth chart elsewhere. Um, Penn State, great school. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, you know, between those two, one is definitely more appealing than the other for the get-go, but then you go and invest in, like, your development as a player, uh, and I'm kind of getting off on it. I'm just getting excited. Uh, so, <laughs> so, let's, um, so let's actually kind of go to the 30,000-foot view here. Let's back up a little more, um, because I want to not only highlight your program and your successes, uh, but also to let this be kind of a building block towards equal fandom for the women's side of collegiate athletics you know i think our podcast specifically is pushing aggressively pushing support for women's athletic programs at tech and really women's collegiate programs as a whole i know when we started this journey together albie and dylan have a lot of interest in women's basketball team i have a lot of interest in women's soccer team and then kinsey comes on board and it ignites all that and says you know guys we have this platform that we're growing really quickly and we're getting a lot of um, opportunity you know how should we be leveraging this you know so things like this open up uh things like this open up that opportunity i think to get in the ears of tech fans who for all intents and purposes should be equally invested in the success of Texas Tech's men and Texas Tech women's programs. I mean, it's all the same double T, right? What would you say to Red Raider fans who love Texas Tech athletics but really haven't watched your team play yet? They need to come watch us play. You you know, if you haven't (laughs) seen the game, you don't understand how fast it moves and how athletic the team is, how, how much skill goes into playing. And there's just nothing. There's no downtime, you know. And and this is where, you know, basketball is obviously very popular, and I love basketball. But how many possessions does a basketball game have without a score? And it never happens in volleyball. And, you know, chances are, you know, in basketball, there's a lot of possessions where they just take the air out. And they're trying to slow it down. And there's different things they do to try to stay competitive or whatever. And you can't hide like that in volleyball. You know, you're either going to win the point or you're going to lose the point. And um, and so I think the from the fan interest and just being able to see the scoring constantly, and there's just never a play a play that doesn't result in something, you know. So I think there's just a lot of benefit that way. But it, it's a very fan friendly game, and then you get to see a lot of the personality of the players, and it's a lot of momentum based things, you know. In basketball, soccer, you're frustrated, you just go down and bang on somebody on the next time down the field, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't do that obviously in volleyball, so yeah. you take it out on the ball, right? And yeah. but when when you do something well you celebrate and the team really is this this constant release of emotion and um it's it's really exciting that's a really that's a really cool way to think about it when it comes to you know in basketball and they were saying it in saturday uh texas tech is playing kansas that you know every possession matters like you you got to make every possession matter if you don't get points it could be the end of your game um but volleyball takes that a step further that legitimately yeah. somebody will get the point. How hard are you going to fight for that point? That's right. That is such a beautiful – and I never – I mean, I never really considered the fact that, yeah, you get angry at whether your play or their play. You can't do anything about it in volleyball. You're on your side of the – if you go across, that's a problem. Right. That's right. <laughs> so you're stuck on your side. You know, how are you going to get out that energy and it goes straight into the play? And I think that's a really cool um, – how, how often are you coaching that in there? It's like, hey, you, you're upset. 
the best thing you can do is just <laughs> spike that ball. You know, there's a fine line there because, you, you know, if you just coach off momentum or adrenaline always, that's unsustainable, you know. But um, but it is an emotional game, and, and it, there is a lot of frustration because there's so much skill involved, and, you know, you think you're on top of things, and then somebody else does something, and you lose the point, you know. And so, yeah, there's always this constant recovery and getting into the next thing, and you're trying to coach that on top of just being better and playing the skill piece. So, yeah, yeah you go both ways. Yeah. Uh, speaking of momentum, though, I mean, this season had a lot of really exciting games. I had a lot of games you were right there, had a lot of games you finished. Um, looking back, is there one game that stands out to you in particular where everything just came together and you guys have just, you were riding high and that was like <laughs> the, the best time of the season? Yeah, you know, when we went on that four-match winning streak toward the end, TCU and West Virginia, that's that's when it happened. You know, we had lost two at K-State, really good team, and we just didn't match up well with them. They got us twice. And, and we kind of looked at ourselves and said, man, we are in bad shape as far as making the tournament. And um, we knew that we had a number in mind for conference wins. We had always said eight would get us in for sure. And then we were at a point where we had six left and two of them were with Texas. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we came home, played great, got two against TCU and then went on the road and, and got two at West Virginia when their RPI was number 32. So that that little stretch there, that two-week stretch, you could really see things come together. And when our back was against the wall, we played our best. And um, and to see the team celebrate after that second West Virginia match because we felt like we had gotten ourselves in after that win. That was that was big. There it is. That West Texas tough coming yeah. in strong at the end of the season. That's right. <laughs> uh, and in that, you know, what, so what are we? And we kind of talked about it. What are the additional ways that you would like to see Texas Tech fans? support the volleyball program really outside of just showing up to the game because like for for us at tortillas and takes like the best thing we can do is like this like sitting across from you mm -hmm. getting to give you some uh, further exposure to maybe if, uh, listeners who don't really watch volleyball that much or don't really have it on the radar outside of like one or two likes on twitter um you as a coach can only do so much i think that you know one thing i think that um coach gerlich did that was really when her program did earlier in the season was bussing in a bunch of uh, elementary schools, I think it was, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, having them kind of fill the stadium for a bit and, and being able to just add that level of uh, depth and enjoyment to the game. Is there anything on your mind that either you guys could be doing, uh, fans can be doing, podcasters could be doing that can just add more exposure to the volleyball program uh, on the rise, honestly? Because at this, it's like, this is you not buying Tesla before it was big. Like, you guys are on the rise. Everything's going well. I'm going to say it before Albie has a chance not to say it, uh, that I think you guys are set and primed for a really good season in 2022. Um, even with the depth of the Big 12 next year, I think that you guys are set up for, and it's going to take a lot of work, obviously, and a lot of buy-in and a lot of grit throughout it, but I think you guys are set up maybe for the best season you've had at Texas Tech coming up. Um, what, 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 can you, what can you, what are your hopes for fans, podcasters, yourself? Yeah, a lot of it is this, because we're, we're really trying to fight this idea of perception and a lot of people who haven't been paying attention still think that we're the 2005 Red Raiders mm. when we were not good. And, and that sticks, and then it becomes an identity. And so within our team, since I got here in 2016, we feel like we've been carrying that on our shoulders for six years. And, and to get into the tournament, we finally felt like we shed that 
perception of what everybody thought we were or what we could or couldn't do. And uh, and you can use something like Albie as an, ex- an example, you know. Oh, I will. If you don't know us, then you only know what you think you know, right? Yeah. And that's where perception comes from. So the more that we can get exposure, the more that we can have a better social media presence, the more people will pay attention and and help change that perception. And part of that is coming to see us and and watching highlights and just getting us on ESPN plus and just seeing what we're doing and, and paying attention. And it's not a surprise when we're successful, it's, it becomes an expectation. And you look at men's basketball as a perfect example of that, Mm -hmm. where, you know, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, yeah, we beat Kansas, we beat West Virginia, and it was a surprise. It's an upset. And now it's not, you know, and now it's, now we expect it. Football is about to do that same thing. You know, they've got so much juice going and uh, coach McGuire has been amazing. And so you're going to see football they're hungry for that Mm -hmm. and we want to see our fan base hungry for this too okay i love that um yeah that's a great answer now it wouldn't be tortillas and taste uh coach if we didn't put you on the hot seat for a little bit here uh, with a few hard-hitting questions that make or break the make or break the best of them if i'm being honest with you um are you ready i'm ready okay let's do it (laughs) we'll start off easy and we'll get we'll press into the hard ones a little bit later uh are you going to miss playing Texas and Oklahoma in the future? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I like them. I'm, you know, we're good with them. But it's not like they're going away. We can schedule them anytime we want. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So we don't have to avoid them if we don't want to. But, uh, yeah, I think we're ready to see what BYU and Houston and Cincinnati and Central Florida are all about. It's going to change the conference completely. But I don't think we're going to suffer at all. There you go. That's exciting. Uh, well, I mean, in that vein, you know, who do you consider Texas Tech's biggest rival? And I actually would like to amend this. Where is your least favorite place to play and why? Well, least favorite. I don't know. I, I, I would say somewhere like K-State just because we don't get a lot of fans that travel. Um, we don't have a ton of recruits coming from that region, you know. Um, but I don't mind any of the road trips, honestly. They're, okay. they're all fine. Um, but as far as a rival goes, we'd always said TCU was just because we had recruited out of the Metroplex so much and our kids knew their kids. And it was kind of this thing, you know, where we didn't even have to give a scouting report because our players <laughs> knew their team so much inside and out. Right. And our team has gotten a little bit more diverse about where we're getting talent from. So maybe not so much, but, you know, they're changing coaching staffs this, this spring and we're, we're pretty familiar with all them. And so I'm still going to say TCU. There you go. OK. Uh, favorite Texas Tech athlete of all time. That's a tough one, too. I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes just because I'm a front runner right, that, right now. But, uh, yeah, we'll just stick no, with that one. That's too easy. Come Zach on. Zach Thomas. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with all those guys. Oh, if Zach you, Thomas. If you want to okay. go back a little ways. Let's get him in the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, worst college town in Texas? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to make any big – You need to. Big, you got to make the I'm going to say College Station, but <laughs> – there it is. Whatever. You know, I've been there. It's yeah. okay. You it's know, okay. Whatever. What's yeah. the point? You, yeah. You, you get it. You know, you, you drive through, you get it. Right. Uh, Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Okay. Yep. Let's get a little more specific here. Misty May trainer or Kerry Walsh? Uh, I'm a Misty May fan. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I like the way she played. Uh, I was an up-and-coming coach when those two were going at each other. I saw them play for a national championship against each other. I just identify more with, with Misty. There you go. Yeah. Okay. She's aggressive. I understand. Uh, Texas Tech legend, Joe Burness, or current star, Kenna Sauer? Yeah. Again, I'm a front runner. Kenna's my girl, so I'm going to go with her. <laughs> I've talked to Jill before. She's great. <laughs> I've seen some highlights. Unbelievable player. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to stay Kenna. There you go. Okay. And finally, in the, the most important question on the Tortillas and Takes podcast, uh, better tortilla, corn, or flour? I'm saying corn, but they've got to be fried. Okay. So when we make tacos at our house, it's a fried corn tortilla. Talk so, about that because I don't think a yeah. lot of people, I understand this as yeah. an aspiring chef. I want the texture. You got to have texture. Yeah. So frying a corn tortilla, just, I guarantee just you, flash frying. Yeah. 90% of our listeners have no idea that you should probably yeah. do that with a corn tortilla. It's not hard. And yeah. so they just go straight for flour every right. time. They're like, oh, it's hard, you know. Yeah. Well, think of corn tortilla as like, it's not cooked. Right. Cook the tortilla. That's and right. I, Even it's if it's flour, we're warming it up. I mean, it's oh, got to be to. Otherwise, put it on the cast iron. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Otherwise, they're just good for one thing, and that's throwing on the field. Right. Um, wow. Coach Greystone, just... Once again, really humbled and honored that you brought us in today. I just uh, get to talk a little bit more about this astounding uh, volleyball team on the rise. Um, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners? No, this has been good. This is the things that we like to do. And, and you know, I think we just got to get a little more exposure for our players. We've got a good group, a lot of personality, easy to identify and, and cheer for. So come see us. Yeah. Well, if you uh, roast Albie, uh, we'll be sure to make that as public as possible. I promise you that. Uh, <laughs> There's going to be something coming from the team pretty quick, I say. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and for everybody else, uh, follow Tortillas and Takes on Twitter. We will be following along uh, Coach Greystone's journey to national uh, celebrity. Uh, we follow along with the recruiting. We'll follow along with the games. Um, we're doing our best to give exposure to all these programs uh, for the benefit of Texas Tech as a whole. Um, it's all the same double T, y'all. It's all worth it. Um, for Coach Greystone, this is Jeremy Gillen. You have been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network. And as always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.